This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, Greg McMichael, uh, the, the holidays are over. We're finally back into the swing of things. We're back here at SunTrust Park. Uh, how was your uh, how, how was your holiday? First of all, how was your holiday break? It was good. Happy New Year. Uh, Happy New Year yeah. to you too, man. It's twenty nineteen. Uh, is it? Is that what it is? It is. I set some goals. So good so far. Of course, it's only been you know nine days, but I feel like I'm. I, I made. I asked my wife if she'd buy me a calendar. Okay. You know, of course, everything's digital. I've got it on my phone. I've got it on Outlook. I've got it on you know every digital device you can think of you but there's something about taking a paper calendar mm-hmm. you know and i had her give me the classic uh, classic cars calendar i think oh, it perfect. was at the dollar store or something so that i can mark off the days because there's something about accomplishing something so i'm every time i do one of my goals each day i'm i'm crossing it off so i'm gonna that's gonna be my my goal is to stick with my goals so I have a double goal, right? That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah I like that. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna work on that, but I feel feel pretty good so far. And uh, this is a big time of the year for me because I'm getting ready for fantasy camp, dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's, and and heading down to Florida on Monday. So so I had to basically get back in shape <laughs> over the break, right? And be prepared to. Um, I might have. To, I'm gonna be pitching a little bit down to fantasy oh, camp. Oh, so. okay. Yeah, it's um, loosen up the cannon a little bit there. Don't yeah, you? I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I got I got to wear a uniform, so I can't be looking. You know, can't have the wear the road navies. That's yeah, what, you see me. I'm still carrying around <laughs> a lot of Christmas and Thanksgiving weight. That's why I'm wearing right. the black polo today. It helps hide. The, yeah, that's helps true. Helps hide what that's what I true. did to myself over the holidays. Unfortunately, we're in whites. Well, so that was a bad mistake. God's beef, on my, my friend. God's beef. <laughs> you know, I wish you the best. Well, I'm Ricky Mass from MLB.com. Of course, that is uh, Greg McMichael, director of Braves Alumni Relations. Oh, he's fired up, getting ready to go down to Fantasy Camp in Orlando. Uh, come next Monday, that's going to be a great week. Can't he- wait to hear about that when you get back. And then uh, next weekend, uh, we've got Chop Fest. Of course, it's going to be a good time here. We've got a lot of activities going on here at the Battery at SunTrust Park. So please, if if you aren't already planning on coming, come on out. I haven't checked the weather lately, and I know we're as we're recording this, we're over a week out, but I. It seems like we're we're looking we're trending in the right direction for having good weather, so that's going to be great. The night before Chop Fest is the Chop Fest Gala, and we are inducting two people into the Braves Hall of Fame: Hugh Duffy, which we'll talk about him a little bit uh, at the end of today's show, uh, but also being inducted today's guest, your former teammate, uh, Braves legend, and now we can say Braves Hall of Famer Terry Pendleton. Now we got him on the show today, and it's uh, it. it He's just a, a Braves legend. He really is a Braves legend. It's interesting, we, and he's, you're going to hear him say, you know, he was here, what, four and a half years. That's all he was here. 
for for a Hall of Famer, which is impressive that somebody that's only here for four and a half years is now in the team Hall of Fame. But that's that's the kind of impact he's had on this organization since the day he signed here in 1991. And, of course, at the end of his playing career, he was elsewhere for a little bit. But really, since he's he's been here in 1991, he has had a huge impact on this organization, both as a player, coach, now an instructor. Um, just talk about Terry a little bit, the teammate and the man. Yeah, I think I think Terry um, is a part of a very elite group that can be tracked back to the turnaround of this organization. You look at the signing of John Scherholz, and you look at – well, I think it all started when, you know, obviously – Ted Turner signed Bobby Cox to come back as general manager and then made him the manager and Scherholz was signed as a GM. And then John and his wisdom knew he needed some key pieces to surround some of this young talent. And that's when he went out and he signed Sid Bream and he signed Terry Pendleton and he brought in Charlie Liebrandt. Some of these guys that really changed the – the course of our organization and uh, Terry was a huge part of that like I said we we really saw him as our captain he was definitely a team leader um, and there, some of the things that I think about when I think about him I think about leader I think about captain you know, those words I, he was an intense competitor he really wanted to win he really knew how to win. He'd been in the organization with the Cardinals. That, Like I said, they had been uh, in the World Series two years. He had been there, even though they didn't win. He, they were, he came from a very good organization. So Terry was a, a very instrumental part for, uh, for what I believe this organization is today. Absolutely, and uh, it was just, it's a joy to get down to sit down and talk with him for a little bit, and you can just tell the, the kind of person he is from how he – he's one of those ones, you know, when he walks in the room before we start recording, just the way he, he – looks you in the eye, shakes your hand, talks to you. Like, you can just tell us that this is a good man. You just get that good – I trust my intuition when I meet people usually, and it's it's you get those good vibes from him. You can see why he was brought here as a leader, you know, a couple decades ago and why he's still looked at in this organization as a leader. I mean, as we're sitting here, he went he took some time out of working with minor league hitters. Uh, they're having a clinic right here at the ballpark. He took some time out to do that, but then he went right back down to it. I mean, he was here in his – his gym shorts and his shirt, and you could tell he's been he's working. And but there's a reason for that. It's because this organization trust trust people like him and Eddie Perez to to work with these young the the way the future Braves, the future of the organization. They trust these guys to work with them, and that's because of the type of people that they are. Yeah, and Terry would be considered in that old school camp. Like I said, he didn't he didn't um, he didn't come to this organization for no reason. I mean, they they there were a lot of qualities that he has that we needed to incorporate here. And and those qualities are still good for today. And you still want young people in your organization to know what it means to be an intense competitor, to know <clears throat> how to win, know how to lead, to know how to do some of the things, some of those intangibles that that uh, that he has. You, you just want him to be around your young talent. And so I think that um, it's just a great move on our part to still have him around working with these people. Absolutely. Well, without further ado, here on Behind the Braves, here he is, Braves Hall of Famer, Terry Pendleton. Swung on, fly ball, deep left field. The ball is Braves win! Braves win! Tell you what, this is amazing. This guy is 10 out of his last 13 with runners in scoring position. 
And the Brave have snatched victory from the jaws of defeat tonight. A curtain call for TP. All right, well, um, TP, thanks for joining us today. This is Behind the Braves. We typically do it in the alumni lounge, but uh, we're over here in the family family lounge today. You're doing some – got a lot of stuff going on. You got the hitting clinic, and we're getting ready to go to fantasy camp and all that good stuff. So we appreciate you being on here today. And uh, let me see – just say congratulations. We got uh, some big news coming up here next week. Getting inducted to the Braves Hall of Fame. Congrats. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's exciting, but uh, nerve-wracking also for me, if you know me. It's yeah. nerve-wracking. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I really am. I, I think uh, for me, you know, us playing together, me only being here four and a half years as a player, um, I think it really says a lot about what the Atlanta Braves organization has thought of me as a player and what I brought to the table when I came here. So it's definitely a big honor. Nervous honor, but big honor. Well, there's uh, there's some pretty good players in the Hall of Fame, you know. So, um, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm on the committee that that helps put that together, and and I vote. And um, you know, you've been on the ballot, and we we did set some criteria on you know how long you have to be a Brave and certain things you have to do. And um, I mean, I was I was excited. I, I had the fortune to, to I was fortunate to play with you. And that um, I was on, we were on some great teams, you know, um, personally, 93, right. 94, 96. Yeah. Um, you know, those were, those were good teams. I wasn't here in 91, 92, but um, I mean, I was just going to just, just to kind of, obviously people are fans, race country knows what you did, but just when I went back and was looking at your career, you know, you played 15 years. It's a long time. Yes. You know, that's my knees. And you, pl- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you played a tough position. You know, you're yes. third base. You're as good as anybody. You were an all star, three time gold glove winner, 91 National League batting title, followed it up um, with 92 runner up, you know, yeah. MVP, MVP. And 91 MVP. Um, and then, um, you know, this year you're getting inducted into the Braves Hall of Fame, 2019 member. So great career. And, you know, when I think back about you as a player, as being a pitcher, knowing how important third base is, there's a lot of little balls that kind of go over there that, you know, you made that play coming in as good as anybody. And you you were a leader on the field. Um, you, even though we didn't have a captain, I think we all viewed you as our captain on the field. But uh, you, were, you were just a good teammate, and you obviously had a lot to do with that success. What do you remember – when you first came over to the Braves and taking an organization that really didn't have an identity, what do you remember as, as being one of the most important things that, that you had to accomplish early on? I think the first thing was, uh, the, the biggest thing was that John Sherholz and Bobby Cox um, wanted me here. That was number one. And they wanted me to lead the Atlanta Braves. They told me, hey, we're looking for a clubhouse leader. We feel like you're that guy. Not only can you play, but we think you could lead, especially you know with the young team that we had. So that was a big thing. I think the, the biggest impact on our ball club was one morning in spring training, we'd, we'd, we'd gone through spring training. We worked hard on our fundamentals and the whole deal. We started playing games. And when the game started, it seemed like we were going through the motions. Uh, you know, I, everybody's looking around at like, okay, here goes the Atlanta Braves. This is what they do. They don't beat anybody. They're getting ready for this 100-loss season. And Sid Bream and I recognized that. And so the next morning I came in, I said, Sid, I think we need to sit down and talk to these kids about what's really necessary in order for us to be successful. 
And Sid goes, you're 100% correct. So I walked into Bobby's office. I said, Skipper, do you mind if we have a, a closed-door meeting in here? He goes, no, I don't mind. I said, Skipper, we need to do it without you, without the coaching staff, the trainers. Get out of here. Everybody leave. We really need to do this. He goes, hey, have at it. It's all yours. So I think the confidence John and Bobby instilled in myself and Sid and some of us veterans – uh, that they understood we knew how to lead. We just we, they, we just need to be turned loose to do so. And I think that first meeting that we had in spring training, letting these guys know that this is not going to be the Atlanta Braves of old, that was number one. And um, we're going to be held accountable, all of us. It didn't matter if I was so-called team captain. If I'm not doing it right, I should be – if I don't hustle down the first base, if I don't round second base – these things need to be back at me, and we've got to hold each other accountable as a team. But more importantly, you guys are winners. I looked around the room, Steve Avery, all these kids that won in the minor leagues. They went through minor leagues kicking people's rear ends. And they get to the big league and you're just going to play because we're supposed to be last? No. I said, listen, that's not going to be us. Sid said, that is definitely not going to be us. We're going to bust our – you know, Sid, we're going to bust our rear ends to the best team out there. And so we had to let these kids know and read – Assure them that they weren't losers just because they had Atlanta Braves on. They were actually winners, and they need to go out and prove that and show that to people. And it took us a little time to get it going, but the second half of the season, we really started showing who we were and how good we could be. Well, and first of all, congratulations for me as well, Taylor. Looking, <laughs> looking forward to the gala next weekend, the Chop Fest, and the induction. It's going to be going to be a really fun weekend, a great night for you. What, you look, you look a little what, what like you? a deer in headlights is what it'll be for me. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a fun night. Well, that's why Kathy's going with you. She's going to help. Right? Yes, I sure hope so in some way. <laughs> well, how did you how did you find out you were going into the Braves Hall? Who gave you the news? Well, um, uh, Mr. McGurk called me and literally called my cell phone. And I didn't recognize the number because he's not in my contact. So I let the phone ring and go to voicemail. And I got this voicemail. Hey, uh, this is Terry McGurk, uh, TP. Can you give me a call back? So, you know, I, I, you know, listened to the message and I immediately called him back. And uh, he goes into, hey, uh, Terry, how you doing? You know, blah, blah, blah. Hey, I'm calling you because um, the Atlanta Braves want to induct you into their Baseball Hall of Fame. And I thought, whoa, that, that was the last thing. I really didn't know why Terry was calling, to be totally honest with you, but I knew, wow, you know, uh, I, I wasn't sure. So when he said that, I was kind of shocked. I was kind of surprised. Well, I was shocked and surprised. And I literally told him, wow, Terry, I said, that's a great honor, but can I call you back? <laughs> I did, too. <laughs> I did. And he goes, I think it shocked him. It set him back a little mm -hmm. bit. So I said, I said, uh, yeah, Terry, I really want to think about this. I, I did. And and I was sincere about it, you know. It wasn't like, a, oh, I can't wait to do this. No, please, let me let me, let me me think about this for me. He goes, well, you know, we're trying to get it. I said, I'll call you back within an hour. So I got off the phone. I humped the phone. I went in and told Kathy. And she said, that's great news. That's awesome, blah, blah. And she's looking at me, and she's going, well, what is it? What is it? And uh, she looks at me, and she goes, my wife being my wife, would you just please take yourself out of this? I know it's about you, but would you just please remove yourself for the, from this and start thinking about your kids, your grandkids, and the legacy you could leave behind? Because I'm not one that wants to go up and stand in front of a podium and let everybody know what I've done. You know, That's just not me. It's not in me. It's not me. But she said, listen. Even though your name's on this thing, it's not about you. Just understand this is not about you. Although you may think it is, it really isn't. Mm. And um, it was impactful. What she had to say was very impactful. And it was true, 100% true. You know, it's about the legacy we leave behind. We know that, you know. So 
I had to remove myself and call Terry back and say, Terry, yes, and I, you know, I don't want to sound like I was being disrespectful in any way, shape, or form, but I'm very honored to go into the Atlanta Braves Hall of Fame, and I appreciate all you guys who, who voted me in and, and thought enough of me and only planned their four and a half years to to uh, receive this honor. And he was fired up. You know, he gave me this bill. We're glad, we, you know, and, and uh, I, I was – I was just yeah. – I really was happy and shocked. That's a sure. great word. Yeah. Well, going back to – so we all know now the, the 14 straight division titles and all of that, but we talk about when you did come here and, and Mr. Sherholtz brought you here uh, before the 91 season. As you put it, they were at that time – the team was the Atlanta Braves of old that was doing a lot of losing. So what was that, that recruiting process for you? Like what did they tell you to get you to come to a place that at that time we didn't have that – Right. That historic run yet, you know, it was kind of the, the 80s, at least the latter part of the 80s was a rough time around here. Well, I I ended my season in 1990 in St. Louis, and I packed up everything and moved from St. Louis back to California. I'm a California boy, back to California, because I knew I was going to be an L.A. Dodger, 100%. I would have bet the farm on me being a Dodger in 1991. And uh just so happens that when it came time for free agency, the Dodgers didn't even call, didn't offer, didn't. And I was shocked. I really was shocked. And, and I will say this. I can say this now. I'm shocked because um, I rode back on an airplane with Tommy Lasorda and I just happened to be on a plane both going back to California. I don't remember where we were coming from. But we we're both on this plane going back to California and just happened to be sitting next to each other. And we get on the plane. We start this conversation. He says, I don't care what happens in 90. Don't worry about 90. 91, you're going to be a Dodger. I can guarantee you that, you know. And uh, so I went into this thing thinking, okay, well, I'm going to be a Dodger, so I might as well move back home with the family. Everything will be good, and the Dodgers never called. So the Atlanta Braves called, and the and the New York Yankees called. And both of them were sincere and hot on my rear end. I mean, every other day I was getting a phone call. Well, if they offered you this, we'll offer you this. My agent's telling me, if they offer you this, we'll offer you this. And, and every time the Braves made an offer, the Yankees topped it. And every time the Braves came back, the Yankees topped it. And finally, Jaron Scherholz goes, I don't know what to do. I can't keep this up with the Yankees and Gene Michaels kept telling my agent I don't care what they offer we'll offer more and we'll add more years if we have to so it got to the point where I sat down I said well talk to the missus what do you really want to do what do we want to do I said for me I'd be more comfortable in Atlanta Braves uniform one of my agents is going are you kidding are you out of your mind they can't win the <laughs> other agent is saying listen they have the opportunity to do something special because they got young special talent I knew this I played against them the year before so I knew this so my agent tells me, listen, you need to make the decision on what you will be happy with so you can live with your decision, not either one of us. So I sat down with Kathy, and I said, listen, what do you think? And she said, well, i got to be totally honest with you. I said, well, that's what I'm asking for, definitely <laughs> so. The, uh, and she says, well, what's the scenario? I said, the Yankees have offered us a lot more money, and the Yankees have offered us even years on. I, I signed a four-year deal. They've offered five and six, and we'll, you know, they really want us. And she looks at me, and um, – She'll probably deny this to this day. <laughs> but she looks at me and she goes, well, I'll just put it to you this way. If you go to New York, you're going by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said, well, that pretty much sums that up. <laughs> Stephanie and I are staying here. You yeah. can go to New York. You know, I'm like, oh, I, I no. Can, I can definitely see her saying that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, yes. uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's classic. <laughs> Yeah, I, and I, you know, I played in New York too, so yeah. I, I know it's it's tough on the families there. You, no doubt, it is definitely no doubt. It is definitely. It, uh, it would have been a major challenge because mm -hmm. I would have loved the challenge of going there and trying to be the player that New York City wants you to be. But more importantly, me and my teammates want me to be. But the uh, and the and don't get me wrong, the money and the years are guaranteed was was 
was was looking good. But the bottom line is when you go into that, um, you know as well as I do, if that family's not happy when you're and we're just starting a family. Stephanie was three months old. You know, we're just starting a family. And if they're not happy, you're not going to be, to me, the successful person you need to be on that baseball field. Because there are times where you can go between the lines and you can zoom out everything in the world between those lines. But before that game starts and after that game's over, that off-the-field stuff is going to be staring you in the face. So you got to definitely make sure that you've got that home thing in line so you can go out and perform the way you need to perform. That's great. Well, I know that you're busy. You've got a lot of stuff going on today, but I do want to just um, the last few minutes that we have, I do want to talk to you about um, what you're doing now with the organization. And I know you're working with uh, in our minor league system. Just want to see how's that going? What are you liking about that? Uh, we've got a lot of young talent in this organization. And, and I do want to say, you know, just like I do, I look back on where I was as a player at the point when this organization was starting to take off, and I have a lot of pride in that because I see the things that we did early on that um, that the organization is still benefiting from today, that the history of winning, you were a huge part of that. I was a small part of that, but but I do, I think you, we've talked about this, I think you do feel the same way about it, and I, I think that's that's pretty cool. But now, you know, fast forward, we're here you're still involved with the organization, and I'm very thankful for that, but you're working on with the guys in the minor leagues who are getting ready to make that jump to the big leagues. So how has that been for you, and, and what, are you, what are you currently working on? Well, I, I am what they call a special advisor, okay? I, what I do is I'll, I'll go into spring training and look at the kids and work with the kids defensively on the infield. I'll also work with them offensively, swinging the bat. Um, I'll go in and evaluate. I'll look at players. They may ask me about a player, what I think of them, whatever the case may be, and I'll give my opinion. I'll go when the season starts. I'll bounce around to each city two or three times uh, over the course of the season to see these kids and what they're doing and how they're doing, if I can help them on the field, off the field, whatever the case may be, to try to make them a better person, a better baseball player. Um, I really focus on defense on the infield. I focus on some hitting in certain cities where where necessary or the hitting coach there asked me to get involved with it. I definitely jump in and assist in any way I can. I also answer questions for coaches and managers while I'm down there. If there's anything I can possibly help with, they do not hesitate to do so. I'll suit up. I'll, I'll take batting. I don't take batting practice. I'll throw batting practice. I'll go out and, you know, stand behind ground ball wise. I'll hit fungals. I'll uh, sit on the bench during the game because if something comes up during the game, these kids have questions. I don't have to write it down or they don't have to write it down or they don't have to try to remember tomorrow. I'm right there so we can discuss what happened, what went on, and what, how we can get you better then instead of waiting the next day. We can get you better before that play happens again in the game. Um, so those are some of the things I do. I, I enjoy it. I really do. I, I enjoy seeing these kids get better and the smile on their face and, 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 and the knowing – the part that I think I enjoy the most about it is when you get to know some of these kids, they truly understand that you care about them and their careers, and they light up when they see you, you know, and they're ready to go to work and do whatever they can do to, to make themselves better and prepare themselves for the next level, whether it's A ball to double A, but they know that you care, and you're going to do whatever you can to help them get to that next level, and they're fired up to see you every day, and it fires you up as an as I would put it, as an old man going out to help them, it <laughs> fires you up to know that you still have something of value that these kids want and want to get better at. So I enjoy doing that. 
That's great. Well, I know they're fortunate to have you. Well, I appreciate and I'm it. sure they're they're learning a lot. And I, I was just going to say, when I think about, I look back over your career and I think about you as a teammate, just some words come to mind. So I think about no batting gloves, right? <laughs> so, TP, you know, you were a switch hitter. I don't care if it was 32 degrees outside, you weren't wearing batting gloves. <laughs> but you had your, your uh, direct protect on. Yeah, yeah well, And you had your, your, your arm pad, right? Yeah, my, my um, child's uh, shin guard, soccer <laughs> shin guard <laughs> That's back right. there. Now they got direct protect and they got all kind of – well, they got the direct protect, but I have my child's shin guard on. And yeah. I think to this day when I see all these kids putting on all that armor to go play, <laughs> I'm thinking, man, that should have been my invention <laughs> yeah, right there. That's you know? right. That's but, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the way – you, you know, as a pitcher, as a player, you want to go out and be as comfortable as you can be to do what you need to do job-wise. And I got to the point where – a certain time in my career, I start wearing these batting gloves, and they just start getting slippery and slick on the hands. And you got to try to do twelve different things here. Take these things, I, you know. So I, that's how I got comfortable with doing. I'd wear them at batting practice, and then I'd give them to the kids in the stands, and I'd go play without them. So that was just me. That was my comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, it's funny the things you remember. You know, absolutely and right. I have to tell the one story. This is, has always stuck in my mind, especially as a young player. So I'm. I'm in St. Louis, you know, and I don't know if people know, but you were in two World Series with the with the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, they had a great they had a great organization. Mm -hmm. So coming over here, I mean, the Cardinals were that was a good thing, you mm -hmm. know, for us. That's why part of they wanted you. But so I remember going back to Bush Stadium, and it was one of those days, probably a billion degrees, like it was on the old turf, you know, and <laughs> oh, yeah. and where the bullpen is, you had to run by third base, yes, you know, as a visitor to, to get into the game. And right. I remember Steve Avery had gotten – this rarely happened. I mean, how many times did our pitchers get out in the fifth inning? Right, or right, rare. So I come rare. in as one of those days where I think Oliveris was pitching for them, and he was a young Latin guy and yeah. just – he, um, of course, you know, the bullpen's kind of hard to, to pay attention exactly what's going on, kind of the innuendos the of the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the angle. And, and, you know, I'm young, and, you know, I'm having to go get snacks and Cokes for, for the For everybody else, exactly. Yeah, so, I, you know, it's I'm, I'm in the mop-up role because this is like first few months of the season. And, and so I, uh, I'm running in. I get called in. Avery's out. I'm called in. I run by you, and you look at me, and you go, you better get that guy. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh Lord, what what happened? What did I miss? I'm thinking, oh, I'm, I'm warming up, thinking, okay, what is he talking about? What's that? So I end up getting Damon Berryhill's catch, and I'm I'm assuming that he's going to tell me what's what going the, on. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. doesn't say anything, and so I get the next two guys out. I go in there and I go up to Terry and go, hey. Well, what are you talking about? And he goes, oh, I'm sorry. He goes, when that pitcher comes up, you better drill him. <laughs> <laughs> he's, been, he's been knocking our guys down all day long. And so, and I just, everybody's just so mad. Dion's mad. Otis is mad. TP's mad. DJ's mad. What did Ronnie's they put, mad. What did they put you in the middle of? Huh? I'm thinking, God, I've never been asked to do anything like that. So I go out there, and, the, and of course, he's up right first, guys. Of course, up. right. And, and yeah. so Damon gives me the old, you know, you know, got to get him, get him, go inside. <laughs> well, I throw a pitch. I don't quite get it in there, and he fouls it off. And I, you would think I felt like eight daggers behind me going into my <laughs> my back. Felt sixteen daggers, <laughs> all those eyeballs, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 I, I, I wasn't about to turn around and look at Terry because I knew. <laughs> so the next pitch, I throw it in his ear hole. 
and he goes down like a cockroach on the <laughs> ground and helmets flying off or whatever. And so I get out, I go back in, and you thought I just threw a no-hitter because all the hitters came up to me like, yeah, I can't. And TB's like, that's the way you do it. Oh, yeah. And he's like, I guess something had gone on in the past. I had no idea, but I wasn't there. But it, oh, yeah. I, I, that oh, was yeah. like my major one of the introductions. Like, oh, when Terry tells me to do something, I guess I better <laughs> do it. <laughs> no, it's just, you know, as a player, when you're out battling – a team and they consistently inside behind you over your head um you just want to know that your pitchers will protect you and have your back and uh, i just wanted to remind Matt because like you said you're down the pin you don't you may miss some stuff down there you just may not see what what happened or what needs to be done or how it needs to be done and sometimes as a younger player you may not know if if i do this am i gonna get in trouble with our own people for doing something like this now if he goes out there and does that then as he did and he gets in trouble for it Trust me, I'm going to step up and say, Skipper, no, 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 no. That's my fault. That's my fault. I asked Mac to do that. Don't, don't, it's me. It's on me. And that's the type of player I was. This is on me. I'll take this. But he did exactly what we needed him to do. And as a, as a player playing behind him, you never had to worry about us running through a wall for him because we're going to do whatever it took to make sure he left there with no runs on the board. And that's what we do. That's how we pick up each other. That's the way, that's the way we played the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, Stu. Well, my one quick question uh, about having Greg McMichael as a teammate, because we just we were out in Las Vegas recently, Uh-oh. and we uh, we were we were there. We went to Greg Max's house, and okay. we had, he was our last episode was with Greg Max, and I learned that uh, apparently Greg McMichael's nickname back in the day was Harry. And I'm just curious, do you remember that that was his I know, nickname? I know who named him that. Oh, okay, okay. All, right. well, I, all I know is the whole time we went to his house and we had lunch and the yeah. whole time he keeps calling him Harry, Harry, Harry. I'm like, okay, there's well, a story there. Yeah, there is a story there. And, and it's, it's, it's a clean story. It's a clean story. Well, actually, you know, my first battle for Greg was in spring training. I don't know if we ever told him this, but he came over – and he, he got a couple of guys out with his funky delivery and the whole deal. And every time they pull him in the game, he come in and shut them down. Every time he come out, they shut him down. And we're in spring training, and Bobby's going, well, I don't know. You know, I, he's doing well here, but I don't know how he's going to do it. The season starts, and we're all going, we got to take him with us. I mean, all the players are going, every time he comes in, he's shutting down everybody. Give him the opportunity to see if he can do it at the major league level. But he's shutting people down here every time he comes out. You can't overlook that. So we fought for Mac before he even knew we were fighting for him. But the Harry story, uh-huh. okay, well, we, well, those who don't know Greg McMichael, know, well, I'll tell them that Greg McMichael can grow some hair on his chest. Okay. That's, what I, that's what I will manly. say. Yes, manly. he is manly, okay? Yeah. So we're all taking a shower in our clubhouse. We just have long, big, long showers. You know, girls may have dividers or whatever the case, but we just have big, long showers. So you go and you shower. So Greg's in there showering, showering, and Deion Sanders runs in the door. <laughs> And he goes in the shower, and he comes running back out. And he says, hey, hey, hey. We're like, what is going on? There's a guy in the shower with a sweater on. <laughs> and that's where the Harry McMichael came into play. Just so it's you just going to come up every episode. <laughs> I just, it just, it just, just this one, I had to do it to you one more oh time. Oh, my goodness. So that's where the Harry McMichael okay. came from. That's yeah. how it started. It's, it's almost as cool as Neon Dion. Yeah, prime true. time, you yeah, know. It's well, almost. I mean, it's second. You know. Hey, second, well, yeah. here's the deal. I mean, he's in the big league shower, taking a big league shower uh-huh. as a big leaguer. Uh-huh. That's a big deal. That's yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. No doubt whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for being on with us today. It's My been a pleasure. lot of fun. Again, congratulations. And we'll be down at Fantasy Camp. Looking forward to that. So, um, 
go back to your clinic. Uh, thanks for being on with us, and uh, and uh, best of luck. Well, thanks for having me, Matt. <laughs> you guys be praying for me on Friday night. I'm going to need it all. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Dave. Our thanks again to the newest member of the Braves Hall of Fame, Terry Pendleton, for, for joining us here on Behind the Braves. Now, there is another inductee, um, Hugh Duffy. Now, he's Hugh's been, been gone for uh, for quite some time now. He passed away in the, in the 50s, I believe. But um, we, you and I started, you know, looking up and reading about his career. And what a, I mean, what an incredible, not just career, a lifetime or life that this man led. I mean, it's, it's uh you start going through it, and it's it's uh, it's it's pretty incredible. I mean, what are just some of the numbers you, that jump off the page there? Yeah, well, I, I was I was fascinated by reading some of the articles on him, looking at his career because he was in baseball, you know, for life basically, um, being a part of a you know Irish immigrant family. Family, he played um, in the big league starting at age 21. But what's interesting is that. <clears throat> When people ask him, and this is according to a couple, you know, like I said, a couple of the articles, when people ask him how much education he had, he said he went to two years of high school. But, but realistically, they believe that he started working in the factories at nine years old. And in the factories, they had these, fa- these teams that you could play on. And once they saw that he was a pretty good ball player, they, he would go from factory to factory. It's like they had this recruiting tool that if you could work in the factory and you could play baseball then they would pay your room and board and give you started out making five dollars a week and then it went to 20 and then he was recruited to play and he, and he got paid 30 where he he got all the way up to 50 dollars a week so he started making a lot of money for back then remember this is in the the late 1800s and um and so being a you know kind of a irish descent there was a lot of discrimination back then it wasn't a lot of education for them, so they they were working in the factories, but baseball became an out for him, and he started. He was viewed as a very good player, and he's recruited to play in some of these Double A leagues, and he just he went from league to league to league to where he ends up at 21 years old. He signs with the Chicago Pirates, and that was the team Cap Anson is. If people Braves fans would know that name. He was a brave Cap Hansen was one of the great um, players of all time in the Hall of Fame. So one of the great stories, and I, I shared this with you earlier, but uh, as, when he showed up to play as a rookie, first day he walks out on the field and he goes by Cap Anson, and Cap says, uh, hey, uh, what are you doing here? He goes, we already have a bat boy. <laughs> <laughs> and he just went on to bat like 288 that year and, and secured his spot in, in, in right field, but uh, went, into, went on to be a pretty good teammate and played with the Pirates. Um, for a little bit, but then from there he went on to play with the Boston Bean Eaters, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers, and the Philadelphia Phillies. But what was amazing is that he not only was a Hall of Fame caliber player, but he also became a player coach, kind of like people remember Pete Rose being a player coach with the with the Reds. Well, um, Hugh Duffy was a player player coach with uh, Boston Bean Eaters and the Brewers and the Phillies before he finally just became uh, a manager, strict manager. But he ended up winning five, over 500 games as a manager, which is pretty impressive. And uh, But his, his career didn't stop there. He, he went on and stayed with the, uh, with the uh, Boston Red Sox, and or I guess they were still the Bean Eaters, and then they became the Red Sox. And, and uh, then one of the years they were the Braves, 
because, you know, we were there. And the reason why he's going into our Hall of Fame is because we were the Boston Braves, and he played for them as well. Yeah, and it, with the Boston Braves, I mean, listen, listen to these numbers. This is all right, and I'm, I'm reading directly from the, the Hall of Fame, the National Baseball Hall of Fame website. In 1894, Duffy put together his finest season when he compiled a record 440 batting average. 440 batting average. I know it's 1894, but my goodness. 440 batting average on 237 hits, led the league in home runs with 18, knocked in 145, 50 doubles, and scored 160 runs. On June 18th of that year, he established a major league record when he reached base safely three times in one inning. That's still, to, according again to according to the Hall of Fame, and I definitely trust them, that has still never been top, which is well, hard to imagine it ever happened once. Yeah, and the mound was only 50 feet away. Yeah, that the that's unbelievable, isn't it? <laughs> that must have been a little bit more challenging. Would you have rather if would you have rather the mound been fifty feet when you were pitching, or are you good with with sixty six, sixty feet? Well, 66? you know, who knows what the ball was like if you could do anything uh, with it and how true. they were how they were pitching. But um, anytime you're closer, I mean, I would feel a little bit better if it was closer than further away. I think they the reason why they moved it back is they wanted a little bit more balance in the game. Maybe maybe the pitching was so dominant at 50 feet, which I could imagine it would be, that they moved it back to make it a little bit more balanced. As I understand it, back in those days, you, the, the pitcher was able to take a little bit more liberty with the with the ball as well, or at least it was yeah. a little bit more open. And, well, and then, they used, the, then they used the same ball a lot too. Yeah, you know? and was, same gloves. They just leave yeah. their glove on the field, and the next guy would come get it. But one of the things that struck me too, and, of course, we, you know, some of his records, he was the, he was the 1893 batting – he won the batting title in 83 – or 93 – 1893, he won it in 94. Uh, they won. They didn't have the World Series then, but they had the Champions Series, and they won that in 1892. And then he was a he. They ended up the Hall of Fame didn't start till what did you say 36, 1936. I, 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 I believe first some, class some, somewhere around there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't induct him, and he was inducted through the Veterans Committee in 1945 as um, as an inductee. And then in 2019, we're, we're inducting him in the Braves Hall of Fame. But what struck me about his life is that he was born right right around the Civil War. And then he saw World War One. He saw World War Two. I mean, he lived through some, some major conflicts. But then the game of baseball really changed. I mean, all through, um, you know, Babe Ruth and, and – Garrick and all those guys and, and to see the transformation of the game and I was trying to think to myself what if if Hugh Duffy was sitting here today what would I really like to ask him and and it would probably be his historical perspective on the game because think about it you know at that time when he was growing up playing it as a young man and really and even in from semi-pro to professional I'm wondering what he looked back on from a historical perspective like you and I do right you know for me nowadays the the young kids they think you know when I played as a historical perspective of the game (laughs) right but 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 I think I have a little bit um longer perspective than that but and it's funny one of the guys that I was um one of the current players and I won't name his name but one of the current players was was in the hallway and I was walking by and and uh said hey you know like like um like what you're doing good job keep it up I played back in in the '90s and uh, on the team, and so I'm, I've been following you. And he's, he looked at me and said, "Man, you're old." Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I was I was around to watch you. I watched you those teams, so I, I guess I'm getting I guess I'm getting up there a little bit too. But yeah. well, uh, to your point though about Hugh Duffy, I mean, this is a man who 
was in the game of baseball either as a, either as a player, manager, executive. Uh, they list team owner also on the Hall of Fame website. Yeah, for, he had some ownership in different teams. All these different things, different roles for 68 years, and that is the definition of a baseball lifer. So that means to have been around and stayed in the game that long, and then he must have had to have he had to have adapted with as the as the game went along to how how much it changed. But you do think about that. I mean, you're born. He's born right around the time or just after the Civil War and live until the 1950s. I mean, again, again, and you and I, I think, are both we like history just in general. So that's such a such an interesting time in American history. But then the game of baseball and how it grew and changed. It's well, you said it. I mean, he came in. Well, I was going to say Ty Cobb. Even Ty Cobb's a little bit after his early 1900s. Yeah. yeah. So even <laughs> after after Hugh Duffy's prime is, is is Ty Cobb, and then Hugh lives through all of that and sees all of that. That had to have just been yeah. what a life to have led. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that was um, it's pretty fascinating stuff with him, and and one of the things that I liked about him too is that when he stayed in the game, he went from semi-pro, professional, he went from professional to manager, he went from manager, then he became a scout. So he was with a scout with Boston, and then they said he was even a um, uh, a spring training coordinator. Okay. And then he was he he had an ambassador role, so he was promoting the game even later on in his life. And the last thing I read was that at eighty seven he was still in spring training teaching hitting. That's incredible. And and 87. he ended up, yeah he ended up passing away. He had ended up having prostate cancer, but but he was still teaching at eighty seven. So just tells me that he had just a wealth of knowledge, understanding. He loved the game. He wanted to be around it and. Um, and so uh, we're we're definitely proud to have him in our Hall of Fame. It's 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 uh, I'm 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 very pr- yeah very proud and I'm looking forward to celebrating both his career and his life in the Braves Hall of Fame. I'll 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 leave I'll leave off on here just because I love this little line from the the Hall of Fame bio of him so much. And this I I'm not kidding y'all. This is actually what's in the baseball. You go on baseball baseballhall.org and you'll you'll find this. This is the quote. Though diminutive in stature, off the field, the powerful Duffy had a reputation as a ladies' man, always dressing in the <laughs> finest clothes. But on the field, he was all business. Very nice. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Yeah. But, again, what a, what an incredible life. So I'm looking forward to the Chop Fest Gala happening uh, next Friday. This is this is coming out either late Thursday night or, or Friday. So a week from now, basically, when you're hearing this, when this episode comes out, is the Chop Fest Gala. So if you haven't got your tickets, go on Braves.com. Yeah. Get, grab tickets. There's, there's, there's still some available. And uh, Terry Pendleton, Hugh Duffy. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a great night. Most of the current team will be there. Um, there'll be awards handed out. The guys will be getting their awards. Manager of the year, rookie of the year, Gold Gloves, all being handed out at this. In addition to the Hall of Fame induction. So, if you haven't, if you haven't pl- made plans to come and you can, please join us. It's gonna be a a great week, and you have a great week down at, uh, at Fantasy I Camp. appreciate it. I hate I'm going to miss Chop Fest. I, I was here last year. I, you know, I'm intimately involved with the Hall of Fame, and I hate that I'm going to miss that. But because of the Super Bowl, things got kind of kind of uh, pushed together, so I'm going to be down at Fantasy Camp. But hopefully next year I'll be a part of that. But definitely looking forward to Fantasy Camp, and um, and uh, we know it's going to be a great great evening here in Chop Fest, so hopefully everybody goes out to it. Absolutely. Well, Greg McMichael, uh, for all you going down to Fantasy Camp, I think you're going to have a great time. Looking forward to hearing the stories from that. I'm going to be at Chop Fest. Uh, I'll be at the gala, and I'll be at Chop Fest somewhere. I don't know where, but I'll probably be running around, and if you see me, I'll probably have my phone in my hand taking pictures and videos and texting back to other people I work with, so just uh, stop me and say hi. I'll be around. So, 
thank you, for, as always, for joining us on Behind the Braves. You're still giving us those positive reviews, the five-star ratings. We very, very much appreciate it. The feedback has been incredible. So uh, if you haven't already done so, please leave us a, a positive review and, and tell a friend, tell a couple friends, tell a family of friends, whatever. All right, so join us next time. For Greg McMichael, I'm Ricky Mast. We'll see you next time on Behind the Braves. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.